Hello and welcome to Are We Gundam or Are We Isekai? The internet's best episode by episode Gundam Seed podcast that started watching Destiny and then gave up because of technical limitations and will return at some point. Hey, remember how Atherin just launched the Justice? Isn't that exciting? <laughs> how he got back into the Justice again and he was going to go fight Shin and try to like save him morally from Rey and hang out with Kira. Oh, right. That is where we ended um, due to global disease pandemic, isn't it? Yeah. And now we're 10 episodes into this. Yeah. Yeah. And we're like almost to the halfway point. We're to the point where I was like, we'll definitely end by here. Anyway, we're watching Gundam Build Divers because that's all about not really interacting with your friends and trying to survive an awful pandemic with the internet as your entertainment. I'm Jeremy. I was going to say that I'm like doing raids and stuff, but I'm objectively the only one in this group not doing raids and stuff. I'm Tyler. Technically speaking, I'm not doing raids either. Only Jeremy is doing raids. My name is Zach. You did Upper Black Rock Spire with me. That was technically a raid. I guess I guess that was technically a raid. That's the only one that I've actually done so far, though I've not gone on to the 40 mans or anything like that. I think you were also qualifying for doing and stuff. Yeah, I feel like and stuff he's definitely part of. So yeah, uh, we didn't play any World of Warcraft this week. I, I played a lot of World of Warcraft this week. But instead, we watched episode 10 of Gundam Build Divers, which is called Coalition of Volunteers. I was thinking that this is a particularly lame title. It's, like, not action-packed. It's not, like... The title does need a little bit more... I'm not sure what you would call it differently, because I don't feel like putting that much mental effort into it, but Coalition of Volunteers is just such an awkward title. If we're giving it, like, the generic anime treatment, forces combine, attack the mass divers would be way better. It's a little Sailor Moon, but it's not bad. I mean, that's not a general anime title. I don't know. I feel like that's pretty generic anime titled. No, I can see it. Yeah, I don't have anything. What did you guys think of it? That's what I ask. Tyler, you go first. This one was pretty okay. I really like the way it ends. There's finally some drama. Some people are allowed to have interpersonal conflict. That's nice. I told you Ayame's the only good character, right? Unfortunately, she's about to resolve her issues, but... (laughs) And have her her character all immediately fall off? It doesn't all fall off. She's still the best. She's just by a much smaller margin. The entire rest of it, I was pretty just meh on. My feelings were actually a lot of the same. Like, it's like... The ending, largely because of that interpersonal conflict coming up, that's actually a good thing. But the rest of it's like, eh? Like, it tries to set up something dramatic, but at the same time, I'm like, that really doesn't matter, like, at all. And now we're having another thing introduced about different servers? Like, how does that work? They didn't think about that for a goddamn second, is how that works. We'll get to it, though. So yeah, if you want to watch along, I recommend you don't, but there's Crunchyroll, there's YouTube, where you can even find it dubbed, there's Funimation, you can find it if you try. You can find it even if you don't try, and that's, frankly, scarier. So we begin on the champion, sitting at his desk, looking at his, uh, presumably his own surveillance photos, as he flashes back to the post credit scenes from last week. And we're getting some more detail about what happened, because they didn't mention that the thing kept recovering in the post credits we did see that happen with doji's gunpla but yes this is rommel saying yeah they had regeneration powers and we weren't ready for that so the champion activates super secret mode turns red and enters the shadow realm (laughs) 
where he talks to a game master who's a GM. Get it? He doesn't really look like a GM, so the joke doesn't really land. It's like the Leos that are different. That was supposed to be a GM, uh, one of those SDGMs. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the joke doesn't really land. Yeah, it looks too much like an actual Gundam. Anyways, like, yeah, I used to know you, champion, but now that I'm part of the GMs, I can't talk to a normal player. And he's like, yeah, but we got to talk about the brake decals. Why aren't you doing anything about them? Cut to the opening. I mean, that's perfectly fair. I missed the fact that he apparently knew him before he evidently started working for the guys running the company. Did we get that before the intro or is that coming after where he's like, let me exposit at you about what our relationship is? No, that was before. It's very awkward. Okay. Yeah, no, it's uh, not exceptionally well written dialogue. Apparently they played in the beta test together. And that is how they know each other. I thought it was just a situation where it was like, yeah, I was running like player outreach and now I'm on the team that's administering it. So I'm not so technically supposed to make a lot of contact with the players, but. It's not quite as awkward as Rose telling Ogre how his own force works last episode, but it's close. <laughs> Exposition is hard. Build Divers is not good at it. Generally speaking, if you have to include the phrase, as you know, you need to think up a better way to exposit that. You need to throw Titus in your story. <laughs> I mean, it's a common narrative technique. Anyway, the GM explains what brake decals are. Well, and also explains kind of how the system works. Yeah, which technically we haven't gotten before. I think I've said all this, but the show hasn't. And it was like, yeah, we are aware of this. And the threat they represent. So the champion's like, so why have you done shit all? They're breaking your game, in addition to being bad. He's got a point. Like, they're screwing things up, but the GM comes back with, yeah, I mean, that might be the case, but there ain't no evidence of it. Yeah, we can't punish someone without evidence. Who do you think we are, Riot Games? Ha. They usually have evidence. (laughs) (laughs) The court system very rarely punishes anyone for crimes they don't commit. What Kiyoya says is, hey, um, what about that person who literally confessed? And like, oh, no evidence. I like, in her profile picture, she's wearing the bear ears. (laughs) <laughs> she's about that life. That's because that was the last part that, uh, that was the last time she logged in. I will say, as a person who writes, like, enterprise software systems that have to run at scale, man, these guys have terrible logging if they w- couldn't find any abnormalities. And no traces of them being tampered with. Yeah, meaning the the levels assigned to her gunpla were within the parameters the game thought they should be assigned to it. Man, that was a train wreck of a sentence. Also, we literally looked at her gunplay and couldn't find a brake decal. All looked good. Well, I mean, I guess depending on how the brake decals work, if they are some kind of program that hides until you turn it on, is that kind of a thing possible, Tyler? I mean, is this even possible where they just erase themselves? Yeah, that totally is. But, as we'll see in a moment, they're actually doing something much more insidious. They're not affecting the Gunpla, they're actually hacking the system on the other end, which is harder to do. They installed a rootkit on the game! Which you'd think they would be able to find. You know what would solve this is basically just redeploying the game. Like, every maintenance patch should break the break decals. And the way you break that is that you have the person distributing be one of the developers, right? But, yeah, that's a twist you can pull off with that. But yes, this is all a bunch of, it's not total bullshit, but... This is basically just some bullshit to make the plot work. And to keep the logical solution of the GM should just fix it. He's like, oh, I don't know. Clearly they're cheating, but I have no proof. Can't do nothing. I mean, on that count, it does make some sense. It's like, we can't do anything without proof. 
Especially given that this is, you know, a show for younger people. They don't want to have a lot of that moral gray of just, yeah, we can kick them out if we think they're cheating, but... I mean, that works really well for the real world. Pretty much every video game is ran tyrannically by the developers, though. You sign a TOS saying, I don't own anything and have no rights when you start, so they can do that to you. Anyway, the GM's like, well, good luck with that, and then just pieces out. Cut to the bar, where he's telling Rommel what the Game Master said. He's like, do you believe it, Rommel? And he's like, I don't know. Don't know why he would lie to you. Maybe to prevent rumors, they're purposely withholding information. Or maybe it's really not there. Here's where they more or less say that they might be hacking directly into the server. This is already really hard to, like, take seriously. But having this, like, dramatic dialogue coming out of Rommel is just ridiculous. It's like, yeah, the main program is basically this world's god. So if you take control of that, you could control everything. It'd be bad. So Rommel's like, if they have access to the source code, then pretty much we're already screwed. But Jamie's like, I have a plan. Will you help me? Cut to Riku brushing his teeth and checking his email. I don't think he's brushing his teeth. I think that's like a drink. Or a vape. <laughs> yeah, it's his <laughs> vape pen. Riku isn't nearly interesting enough to vape. Because if you look, when he takes it out of his mouth, it doesn't... Um, th- there's no brush on the end of that. There's also not a third dimension to it. <laughs> I don't believe that can contain any liquid. So apparently, the champion has sent him a direct email cut into the uh, the world of GPN where his entire team is there and he's telling him hey yeah the champion told me he wants us all to meet him yeah so that's for all of bill divers so here we are am I because like even me why would he want to talk to me all I do is roll around <laughs> so then Kiyo's two secretaries show up apparently they're both vice captain of the team yeah that's what vice means right too well I mean it would be one of those things where it's like the champion is obviously the leader of it but if there are multiple like sub teams inside it then i guess vice captain would make sense to have each one of them be like basically vice captain of a different team in their force and clearly you would send both of them to talk to everyone rather than delegating this duty and having each of them take half i choose to believe that that's because this is the last group either that or the dude who says he's also vice captain is just messing with her he is vice captain of combat She's vice captain of important things. So Eriki's like, hey, so where's the champ? And we're like, we're here on his behalf. He's a very busy man. Would you mind coming to our force nest? And Ninja Girl is immediately suspicious of them for some reason. She's like, but then she's like, you should be because I cannot say it's top secret. Why can't you just send a DM? Is that not equally secret as what they're about to do? Well, I kind of get that. But then you're going to say, hey, meet me at my force nest instead of meet me in a hallway and then come to my force nest. Maybe he has flair for the dramatic. I think he has a flair for the dramatic. Anyway, the Force Nest is a fucking castle. It's Avalon Castle. Straight out of Gargoyles. Like, please hang out in the gathering hall until we call for you. In the dining room. We see various people, including Patrick Colasar in the corner, shaking hands with Rommel. More importantly, though, is Mr. Randy, number seventh in the world, living his best life by just wearing a fucking number seven on his chest. <laughs> Do you think he updates that every time his ranking changes? Absolutely. I was going to say, he just never changes rank anymore. I love how the person behind him is wearing the bear ears. I was just going to point that out, yeah. <laughs> also, Iron Masks, who we've seen before, who are a bunch of Char guys. I love this. I love how dramatic they're all being. It's fantastic. Look, they're also living their best life. And there's Patrick Colasar. Yeah, hanging out with uh, Rommel. Maggie's here, too. 
this doesn't really come up. Is Maggie the only member of his force? No, he no, he's got a he's got other members of his team. They actually pop up later in this episode. Do they? Yes, yes. There, there actually is at least one of them that is that talks to him. Oh, that's right. I forgot because someone calls on the radio and says, "Big sister, stop being a dumb." And uh, all the people that Riku and them have met so far show up. Yeah, Tiger Wolf is there to flirt with Shariar. And Maggie's like, "Ah, oh, you're such a cute couple." And they're like, "We did not come together, Baka." I do love this, where Shariar is like, "You just need more training," and uh, <laughs> gets Tiger Wolf to go go down and give him his paw. Don't even have to edit what you said, and they're flirting. And then they do the typical cartoon dust cloud fight, and everyone's like, "Geez, guys, get a room. I'm sure you could probably find one. It's a big fucking castle." Speaking of getting a room, the champion has a classroom in his castle. And he and uh, Rommel are about to teach class. Initially, I was thinking that this was probably one of those things where only the leaders of the forces showed up because I didn't, or like, were in here. Because that's what it kind of looked like, since none of Riku's force seems to be in the building. I think they're there. They just don't see them until later. Also, this this Zex guy from the Mask Clan is here, and we didn't even see him before. I was going to say that they probably just added this room right beforehand. They're like, oh, crap, we have to give a presentation. First, we need to figure out how to use PowerPoint. Then we need to make a room in our force nest to give our excellent PowerPoint. Very serious vice captain lady. Seems like she would insist on having a PowerPoint room. Yeah, that's probably true. Anyway, Campion's like, thank you for coming to our TED Talk. I trust you all from the bottom of my heart. I know that none of you have recruited any mysterious ninjas recently who might be double agents. Riku and Yuki are obviously there. I wonder if it's only two people from each one. I mean, either one would make sense, but uh, yeah. I trust all of you from the bottom of my heart. Especially you mysterious masked dudes who are very into your Gundam cosplay. Anyway, we should all team up to fight the mass divers. Which, for some reason, causes stirring in the audience. I specifically wrote down, uh, why was everyone so aghast at this obvious yet vague announcement? Uh, because it's a dramatic thing to do, Tyler. The script told them to be surprised. And it's probably one of those things where a bunch of people were probably like, isn't that the, uh, admin's job? Why is that our problem? Why should- It's like, yeah, we should make, like, a police state and combine our strength to cause peace. It'll be good. But if you don't want to agree, you can get the fuck out. You know, if it's top secret- why exactly are you like, yeah, you can leave if you don't want to be a part of this. I guess he hasn't given any actual details yet. Yeah, but they didn't give him any details about why they wanted to gather either. Like, you could have told that to people before you gathered here. They just are being very dramatic. It was all Rommel's idea. No, I think Rommel is more direct than that. I think this is all the champion with a flair for the dramatic, like Tyler said. Anyway, Tiger Wolf's like, I don't see any chickens in here. Are there any chickens? Begawk! And then no one wants to leave. Thanks to toxic masculinity, they all stay. I mean, to be fair, not that there were any stakes in this. And then he just starts briefing them. It's like, we're working with the Rommel team on a secret mission. The purpose of our coalition is to identify the mastermind who's distributing break decals, and I don't know, go beat him up. We'll give him so many minor penalties he has to quit. As soon as our agent makes contact with him, we'll all swarm in. <laughs> we're gonna rook that bastard. I can't help but think, like, couldn't you ask people who have gotten them where he is, where they got him from? Yeah, if only they're, like, some repentant ones that had confessed that you could get on your side. Yeah, I mean, you could ask them, where did you get it? He's probably not there anymore, but at the same time, it's a starting point. I feel like all their answers are going to be, I don't know, some shady dude in an alley gave it to me. And on the other other hand, their agent does make contact pretty much immediately from what they see, so maybe that's how they found out. 
Yeah, that's actually what I was going to suggest is that they did ask these people and then gave their agent that information. It's not as though it's going to be an impediment finding him. So anyway, mass divers will probably defend him, right? He's probably got an army of them for defense. That sounds like a thing he would do. That's what drug dealers are, right? Like, they just have a bunch of drug addicts surrounding them to beat up anyone who tries to stop them. Of course. Like, that's exactly how that works. Yeah, so everybody's pretty gung-ho about going after them. But Rommel's like, not so fast. They can regenerate and stuff. They beat up my team. Also, they're, like, causing whirlwinds and portals to the Shadow Realm you might get caught in. (laughs) This is a dangerous mission. You might have to log out. There are four places in my notes related to this speech that I put in quotation marks. One of those words is dangerous. Look, Tyler, they could face a small penalty, or even worse, as we're about to find out. A forced logout. Yeah, look, I'm, I gotta save my comments for it for when we get it. Don't don't, don't tease the people. So, the, the champion is like, we're not here to kick his ass, we're just trying to find out who he is. I hope you'll trust me with your lives in the meantime. So the gal get up to salute. And we see Ayame is also here. Cut to space, specifically an asteroid in it. And a guy who looks pretty normal with some spiky air was like, who thought of the mastermind would be based on a beginner server? What is a beginner server? Why were Riku and his friends not on a beginner server before? What is this shit? (laughs) It's labeled as a beginner's server. And as we will find out later, experienced players can't get to the beginner's server. Which makes sense. Like, that does make sense, and I I did make the comment of rooking him, which is a tibia thing, which, like, on the one hand, that might be what this is intended to be a part of, but like you said, why weren't Riku and Yuki and his friends dumped into a beginner server when they started? Yeah, why have we not heard of these before? Did they select the wrong thing? Did they not realize it existed because Maggie didn't bother to tell them about it? It seems like Maggie would be all about telling them about it, too, right? Yeah. Is this just something included to create artificial drama by the writers who didn't think this through? But even then, it gets dealt with immediately. Like, the fact that this is a beginner server is not an impediment. We are just exposited that it should be. When they initially said, oh, we won't be able to get there because it's a beginner server, I initially thought it was... Oh, that that's a great thing that they have Riku in them there because then they can get there and deal with the problem and that's how they're going to yep. keep the champion and all of these really experienced and good players out and then they're like, nope, we're not dealing with that. Nope. Good writing? Get it out of this show. So Palpatine's like, hi there. Sorry I'm late. And the guy's like scanning, scanning. He's like, oh, he's hiding his ID. And he's like, something wrong? He's like, no, nothing's wrong. So are we going to do this deal or what? He's got his account set to private apparently. So can I see the goods? I'll pay you what you want. And he's like, I can't give you a break decal. He's like, why not? I'm afraid the deflector shield will be quite operational when your friends arrive. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty much what he says. Uh, So then some thugs spawn around this guy. And like, this is supposed to be super dramatic. Yeah, they summon up a gun. They're like, your role on this ends here. They're about to kill him. But he is in a video game. Like, they even cut away like you would in a gangster movie right before the guy dies with the gunshot. Yeah, with the gunshot. They cut away and it's like, it's super dramatic. No, it's not. It's a video game. The dude just, like, has to respawn. Except for the penalty will be slightly worse, as we'll get to, like I keep teasing. Cut to the vice captains talking to the build divers and Riku's like, hey, isn't like Hiaki coming? They're pretty cool. That makes sense. Like, if they're really good, shouldn't they be here to help out? 
and we get some more character of them because they're like because they had one of their mass divers. They are on a self-imposed suspension, which is actually kind of cool. Wouldn't it be great if our main characters had half as much character as that? And on top of that, we find out that it was them that recommended Riku's squad. She's like, yeah, we weren't going to invite you. The champion thinks you're cool, but I think you're noobs. But then Hiaki was like, yeah, you should invite build divers. They're pretty cool guys. They built a double O diver ace and don't afraid of anything. And more importantly, the Momoka pool. And she's like, yeah, I think you suck, but here's your chance to prove me wrong. So go for it. It's going to be fine. Like, we, we know you guys have the mysterious waif. Clearly, they don't know how important she is. Cut back to the champion's office, where he's like, yeah, our spy contacted Rommel in real life. He sent him a message over Discord. He was forced to log out. The terror. They don't treat it like, oh, that's a huge deal. So is that the penalty for losing? Because that makes losing have way more stakes, and they could have established that earlier. Or is that something specific to this crisis? I was thinking it's something that happens if you physically die. Because if you notice, pretty much every time a mobile suit explodes, the pilot warps out before the mobile suit explodes. So if the if the pilot is loses all of their hit points, it's a forced log out. And yeah, that would be a cool stake. Would be cool if they established it. And then they say the beginner server area eleven was where they were. And then this is where we get the the we experienced players can't access a beginner server. But the GM's like, don't worry about it. Talking to you, no, no. Hacking it so you can get into the beginner server with an army, a okay. Not only that, hacking it so that they can get an army in there, and locking it so that the bad guy can't get out. So we have immediately solved this problem we set up. Don't worry. See, like, this idea of, like, him letting them do that would make a lot more sense if we hadn't had that portion at the beginning where he basically says, I can't help you. Or if you reverse it, he comes to Kiyoya and be like, and is like, hey, we can't do anything because we have no proof, but I want to do something. Can I have an idea? Yeah. Like, if you guys can find him, I can help you do X, but... It's a complete flip of his characterization from the beginning of the episode. Without any seeming, like, catalyst for it. He'd just been sitting around thinking about it really hard, off screen. So the champion walks out the door, where apparently everyone was just chilling, waiting. And he's like, time to go, guys. I assume that was just, like, they looked like they were all in the same uniform, so I think that was just his force waiting for him. Maybe just the way it cut from Riku earlier. It, I guess we do see the other people in their own force nets, though, so maybe you're right. Because then, then we get cut to mission times. Today at 3, 1500, he'll never attack, attack at 3 p.m. right after school gets out. <laughs> it's a good thing they waited so that Riku and his team could show up for that. That's when Tiger Wolf gets off work. <laughs> what does Tiger Wolf do for a job? I'm curious now. Well, he's a karate instructor, obviously. No, no, no. He's not a karate instructor. He's something more mundane. Like, he does... A used uh, car salesman? He, he does uh, office work. It's just when he gets into GBN, then he can, uh, you know, role play as the karate instructor dude. Ogre is the office worker. Let's be clear. <laughs> yeah. Ogre's a salary man. I was going to say it is really convenient that the mastermind, Emperor Palpatine, didn't just, like, leave. Well, this is a trap. It also does seem like the guy who's discorded Rommel should have said, by the way, seems like a trap. I think they still would have gone for it, so that's not a big deal. I mean, they, they should have mentioned something along the lines, because the dude literally told the dude that it was a trap. Like, he literally said, I've lured you into a trap. So you'd think the guy would tell Rommel, hey, he said it was a trap. 
I, I agree with you. They'd probably go anyway, but you'd think they'd mention something along the lines of they're probably waiting for us. Which I guess is why they break a big coalition in the first place. So and then just, you know, everybody gather up there and then we'll start this shit. I like how all these high level players are just sitting around doing absolutely nothing, waiting for the announcement. That's what people in GBN do all day. Well, what else are they going to do? So they're going to divide into two teams. One will just be to engage mass divers, and the other is going to go after the mastermind and try to get into the satellite and find him. I mean, that's not a bad plan. For some reason, they decided to put Riku's team on assault, which seems more important. No, it's split. Riku and uh, Ayame are on off are on the assault force. But everybody else is uh, staying outside. Yeah, I assume ah. the assault force is all the high mobility Gumpla. Or the ones specifically designed for close combat. Yeah, Ayame's a ninja, high mobility. Riku's been b- built for uh, mobility. The ones that go in with them are a Mobius Zero and one that can transform into a jet mobility. So I assume that's how they made the decision. Yeah, whereas everything else that's staying outside... The only one that's kind of a weird choice is that Tiger Wolf is on the, uh, isn't on the assault force. Eh, he's a powerhouse, <laughs> but I agree with you. He, he was like, no, I got to protect my crush. Please, Senpai, assign me with Chariar. Just don't <laughs> tell anyone. And Sarah's like, hey, let me ride with you, Riku, please. And he's like, yeah, sure. He's like, there are no stakes. Why not? And she's a good luck charm. He has yet to lose a, a fight with her in his cockpit. True. They should put bear ears on her. She's their official mascot, and I think that would be hilarious. Bear ears would be the wrong thing for their team. She needs cat ears. That way she would match Momoka. Penguin ears. So a bunch of triangles are on the server, ready to go. GM is like, I will now hereby use my administrative authority to seal off the server. And he's like, can you monitor the satellite? And he's like, no. I don't know why, but I can. He doesn't say any reason why, he just says no. And the champion's like, well, it must be bugs. Mission starto. The champion tells everybody, hey, uh, we sealed the gate, so if you get shut down and log out, you can't come back. Which is kind of stakes, so that's nice. Yeah, it's more stakes than we've had so far. But Palpatine's like, good, time to start my experiment. And the mass divers start going out to answer them. This is one of the ones where I think he did not get told that it was a trap. Because the champion says, they got wind of our plan. And I'm like, they've literally set up a trap for you. Like, your spy knew it was a trap. Carl should have told you. Anyway, Captain McNoface is like, with a break, TKL, I can even defeat the champion. And Robo is leading the defense team. Like, hey, let's get him. We finally get to see Maggie's gunplay, which is that like a hybrid between the death scythe and a high mobility? It's basically just a death scythe with a lot of pink and some wings on it. Okay. I like kind of wish it didn't have the death scythe head in those colors. It looks pretty incongruous. Yeah, it's not my favorite. Pink can look pretty cool when it comes down to it, but the way the color balance is on that is not very good. Yeah, that's really my problem. Black and pink can work, but it's the wrong kind of pink for that. Like, if you made it a slightly hotter pink, I think it would really work. Yeah, but most of this is a very pastel. Uh, So Maggie is creepy when they uh, thank him for clearing the way. But of course, all the Gumpla regenerate, and we see them regenerating. And Maggie's like, I am surprised, even though I was literally told this would happen. Okay, Rommel is there with reinforcements. I I like the transition there for Rommel, because it starts him in a corner of the screen, from the, the side view of his face, and then it shifts so that he takes over the whole screen from the front. So like that, That's actually well done. I think they accidented themselves into that one. I don't know if it's an accident. The cut-ins have been generally pretty good. Storyboarding is not their problem. Plotting is their problem. And, and details. 
and character development and characters. But the choreography has been great. That's a super heavy Dom of some kind. Is that a Dom Cubelet hybrid? I didn't really see it. I think it's a Dwodge, which is a, a Dom descendant, but I didn't get a good look at it. As Yuki and Momo are like, oh no, they're cheating shamelessly. I don't know what the red one is there. It looks like a Gundam of some kind, but... Yeah, but cut red to be a shark custom. Yeah. I know we saw that one in a Hainer earlier, and I thought it was pretty cool. It's got a weird lance thing. So they're starting to get overwhelmed by the fact that the enemy doesn't die. But the assault team did slip by them. At least the first wave. There is a second wave incoming to intercept them. And then uh, Shariar and Tiger Wolf step up and are like, Alright, we've been waiting for this. That's possible. Although the I, I get the feeling that Shariar's heavy weapons are like, We sent him with the assault team because of this kind of situation. Well, we also think that his gunplay is very multi-purpose. I believe it can go fast or shoot hard, depending on mode. Why else would you have modes? A tiger wolf does some key energy bullshit and phoenixes a bunch to death, but they, they explode real good, but seem to regenerate anyway. Cue the, uh, the slash screen of tiger wolf and Shariar. Cue the slash fiction as well. Oh, there's a lot more of them on the assault team than I thought there were. I guess the other ones are there so that they can have some of them get shot down. But some make it into the Death Star. I mean, the resource satellite. Cue the trench run. Sarah's like, my mysterious waif powers say you have to take a right instead of a left up here. Ayami bails Riku out while he's distracted by Sarah pointing. And Sarah's like, trust me, Riku. He's like, ugh, but I admire the champion so much. But the girl is so cute. What do I do? Girl. I go with the girl. (laughs) Champion, sorry. I I gotta go another way. He says, please let me. Not like he could stop him. The gunpla Lorax has spoken. And champion's like, that sounds good. And number seven's like, but champion, he's like, nah, it's fine. I trust him. And Ayami uh, is like, huh, that's weird, as she follows Riku. I mean, to be fair, one of the main reasons why you bring people in, and he did say, I trust all of you with all of my heart, so it's Mm -hmm. like, if he says, hey, I gotta go this other direction, which makes sense, if they all go to the same place, you send half of your guys one way, half the other way, so that they can't all be trapped in the same place. It just also seems like if he trusts them, it's like, we should all go that way then. Or say, hey, yeah, let's split up then. But... Just to be sure. Instead, he's like, yeah, I trust you to go in alone. So we jump outside, and apparently Lawrence has been shot down. Momoko is hit, but she's just a ball. So, like, the advantage of a ball is you don't really have any critical points. A beam is about to hit her, but KO blocks it with his big armor. From one of the, like, big heavy cannons. It looks very similar to one of the Zaki beam cannons from Destiny. Yuki is just bullet hosing with his chain gun and comments on how their numbers aren't going down. Yeah, that tends to happen when you can recover from damage. Tiger Wolf makes a comment about how no matter how many of them we get, they just keep coming. And my immediate thought was the uh, old uh, adage of quantity has a quality all its own. I more thought the Naruto, they're using their immortality to their advantage. Tiger Wolf and Sharia flirt some more. Look, they got to get their time in. Work's very busy. We see that down the Death Star hallway, the champion and number seven in his freaking Mobius Zero. Number seven in a Mobius Zero, I feel like makes you number one, actually. <laughs> It's green. Well, yeah, like his shirt. It's the Randy custom. I don't, I don't think the Mobius Zero looks very good in that green is all. I think it looks fine. But it's a trap. And he is immediately shot down. No, Randy! By a, someone in a Providence, no less. And he's like, now, champion, this will be our grave. So cut to Emperor Palpatine in what I can only describe as a Doritos cave. It's just like a dark room with a bunch of computers <laughs> where he doesn't have the lights on. 
it's books very cramped too. It's like, gotta hand it to those high-ranking players. They're lasting longer than I thought. Hey, why is this one kid just going right at me? Does he have cheats too? Does he have wall hacks? My hack should protect that. Hey, ninja chick, take him out. Yeah, hey, my spy, take him out. Like, I wish this guy was somebody that the champion knew. Like, yes. this guy was, like, number 10 or something like that and had lost to him. So that, that would make it make more sense. Give this any personal stake? Why do you use break decals? Because uh, you want to win and you're causing bugs. And I'm like, do you know who this guy is? Because, like, that would make more sense as to why you're asking this question. Because otherwise, it's, why do you use them? Why does anybody use any kind of cheat? Because they want to win. Well, this guy's more like, yep, just getting paid for it. At least he's honest. I could care less about GBN. I just want to kill the guy who killed Frieza. And that's you. Cut to Riku's like, this way, Sari? She's like, yep, just keep going straight. Take a ride at Albuquerque. You know, they really should have had him pass like a turn or something like that when he said that. Because otherwise it's like, do I keep going this way? Yes, it's it's a straight line, dude. Like, there, there hasn't been a branch or a fork anywhere in here. It's a straight line. Maybe there are hidden walls. So Sarah is not only the Gundam Lorax, she's also his GPS. At the next right, turn right. GPS, by the way, stands for Gunpla Positioning System. <laughs> Obviously. But a bird attacks him. And he's like, ah, a bird. And it's the same, like, swan bird condor thing. It's not a condor. The wings are too small. I think it is supposed to be like a condor. It's based on a Raider Gundam in its flight form. It's the same one that attacked him earlier. During the fight with the Build Diver Jagans. And she's like, Ayami, be careful. This thing attacked us one time randomly. But then it perches on her arm like she's a falconer. It's not very threatening. That looks so awkward on the Chibi Gundam. Yeah. I think it looks rad, to be honest. Mostly, I think this doesn't look very threatening because the Chibi Gundam is so chippy. Yeah. With those big eyes. Yeah. That look like they couldn't harm a fly. That's fair. That's why she had to call in her bird. She doesn't look threatened. And Rika's like, wait, what? And so she talks tough as the big, uh, pretty pretty typical uh, traitor speech. Too bad. I'm done playing, friends. You go no further. And that's the end of the episode. Oh my god, they did a cliffhanger and a drama. Can you believe it? Good job, Bill Divers. It's interpersonal conflict, which we haven't gotten. I mean, the closest we got was last episode, really, with Doji and his uh, and Ogre, but even then, it wasn't really anything because it wasn't dramatic. Because we'd gotten the previous episode, which was the same goddamn thing. Plus, inner conflict on Ayame's part. It's beautiful. I can't wait to see how Bell Divers fucks it up. So, yeah, that is the episode. What did you guys think now that we've gone through it, Tyler? It was all right. The action was a little too nondescript to really stand out. It's very generic. There's no stakes to it. Yeah, we spend a lot of time on exposition and dialogue and setting up the episode. I mean, we finally get Ayami's thing coming to a head, which is nice, but otherwise pretty meh. Zach? We're still running into the same problem we have had from the beginning of Stake. It was such a dramatic moment of, hey, look, their spy just got killed, but it's like, oh, then he contacted Rommel in real life. To be fair, all of the visual storytelling is this is incredibly tense, and that's where it it creates this weird dissonance of there is no consequence to this. That is an inherent problem when you have a one of these type of games where they... That's a, why a lot of them that take place in these video games have the players trapped, so it's a death game type of thing. Because that creates artificial ones. But because they 
don't do that here. That's kind of a weak point, even though I know why they did it. But for the most part, the big attack is kind of neat. But it's a little weaker on some of these cases. I wish we had some more knowledge of who the guys are that are assisting the bad guy, because they're just coming out of left field and I don't really care about them. Yeah, the only exciting part really is the end, which is just something coming to a head that we've had for a while. And it promises something exciting, which is dangerous because Build Divers hasn't been good at paying off and now it has to. Do you have a high point, Tyler? I'm going to take the easy one and say that I'm glad that Ayami's dual allegiances are finally causing drama. Yeah, that's the obvious one. Zach? Since Tyler took the obvious one, what to you, what what to go with? Yeah, my secret is I try not to take the obvious one very often, but there wasn't a whole lot in this episode. <laughs> That's part of the problem. You know, I think I might have to go with a less than obvious one and go with the fact that Ogre's team recommended the Build Divers and they're on a self-imposed suspension. Yeah, I think that's a, a very good candidate. I kind of th- hoped you'd go for that, Zach. Mine is, I think, the third less obvious candidate, which is Riku trusting Sarah and her wave powers doing something for the first time, other than just being mysterious and wafy. My honorable mention was attached to that whole conversation about Ogre and that, and her being completely honest and saying, yeah, I didn't think you guys were good enough to be here. Just because mm-hmm. I always appreciate it when characters like specifically say stuff like that, because it's like, I didn't think you were good enough to do that, but everybody else did, so that's why you're here. But I wanted to make sure that we were all on the same page. Yeah, and like I said, Riku never has to choose between anything, so making him make a choice between Sarah and the champion and showing where his loyalty lies, I've got to give the show credit for that. Do you have a low point, Tyler? maybe come back to me because I might have thought of something. The problem is this episode was very just blasé. There wasn't anything particularly bad about it. Zach? I think I'm going to go with my top pick on this one. The GM's abrupt change of heart. As we said in the beginning, he said, I can't help you. I can't talk to you because of these. And then later on, he's willing to shut down and give them specific permissions or special permissions to the game there was no catalyst for this shift in your character this doesn't make any sense so that'd probably have to be mine did you think of one tyler or should i go i've thought of two actually okay go ahead i'm actually gonna say that there are no stakes in the champion fight and also that we didn't really get to see the champion do anything this episode to be fair, similar to the Ayami drama, they do set up the champion getting a fight, right? They have plenty of opportunity to not pay that off. The only problem with that fight in this particular instance, Tyler, in my personal opinion, is that it's a fight with a no-name thug. No, that's what I was going for. Okay. And it's also got no stakes, right? Because if he defeats that no-name thug, then he's not any closer to the guy. He just avenges Randy. That fight would have been just better if, like I said, it was somebody he knew. Yeah, if you established any stakes behind it. Yes. Alternatively, Randy, more like Rando. Okay, that was it. My only point is going to be the establishment of a beginner server, a thing that we have not heard of before, and that does not matter to the plot at all because it is immediately mitigated. That was my other low point. My other low point actually was the death of the spy. It doesn't mean anything. It's super dramatic and doesn't mean anything. I would agree with you, and it's another one of those instances where if Riku and Yuki were more veterans of playing the game on a more consistent basis, the beginner's server thing wouldn't bother me so much. No, it seems like they're setting up something super obvious and cool, and they're like, oh, never mind. Because even then, like when Momo starts playing, because you could have her still start playing later, 
they could say, no, don't don't go to the beginner server because you can just play with us and we'll help you. And just avoid that entirely. But because they started them brand new and then it's like, hey, look, there's a beginner server. It's like, can I ask a question as to why these guys didn't start there then? Yeah. All right. Do we want to add something to the mobile suit list? I feel like we should, but nothing obvious comes to mind to me. I feel like we should save Ayami's suit for a week at least. Yeah, I feel like next week in her, like, I'm assuming big character deal is going to be a better choice than this week. I mean, technically speaking, we saw Maggie's mobile suit. Have we done Tiger Wolves? No, we haven't done Tiger Wolf. I was going to ask if we had. We haven't done Tiger Wolves and we haven't done the Champions. I think if we're going to do one of those, I vote Tiger Wolves because we've seen more of it in action. I would agree with that. The Gundam Geon Altron is what that's called. That's a bit of a mouthful. I won't lie. I kind of think it's a mess. Like, it's got the bad color scheme of the Dragon Gundam combined with the Altron Gundam, but I don't think it adds anything to it. Whoa. Whoa. I believe you mean the amazing color scheme of the Dragon Gundam. I think the the Dragon Gundam's color scheme works fine on the Dragon Gundam. I don't think it's a good color scheme. And that's evidenced by, like, when you put it in these, like, popular colors in this computer-generated style. They don't work nearly as well as in a hand-animated style. I actually agree with Jeremy. I mean, the color scheme of the Dragon Gundam in my head, much better. But the thing is, the Dragon Gundam is green. And in my head, for some reason, I've always thought of it as being black. No, I'm aware that this is the color scheme of the Dragon Gundam. I just think it doesn't work nearly as well when you brighten it up like this. I don't think it's as good as the Shenlong Gundam, which is kind of its base. Obviously, not really but it's the closest thing we have on the list. What do you guys think? Because the Shenlong is incredibly plain, and this one is anything but. I think my problem with the Geon Altron is that, like you said, it's kind of a mess. Like, it's got a little bit too much, whereas the plain nature of the Shenlong really helps it in this particular case. I think I agree. It's a fairly tight one, but I think I agree. It's just got too much going on. The the asymmetry doesn't help it at all because it's too symmetrically asymmetric. Speaking of things we've called a mess, uh, how do we think it compares to the double O Diver Ace? Because I definitely prefer the Diver Ace to this. The Diver Ace is a huge mess, but it's a mess with purpose, in my opinion. I don't really like the really big swords on the shoulders. I think it's just excessive but i think i like those over like the weird combination lion dragon thing going on with tiger wolf's mobile suit and i think i agree i don't really like the uh diver aces like weird gun swords except for the fact that they're also grappling hooks that's kind of fun but i think it's a more coherent design than the geon ultron speaking of coherent it feels like it should be the ultron geon right but i think just because that's where the modifier should go in my head Speaking of suits that, uh, uh, I, I had a transition. I lost it. How do we think it compares to the Moma Kapol? Because I think that's a much better design. Way better color scheme. I really don't like the Moma Kapol, but I think it's better than Tiger Wolf's design because it feels more like a lot more thought went into what does the Moma Kapol look like and what does it do? Whereas Tiger Wolf was like, take the Ultron and slap on a couple of tiger heads and wolf heads and call it a day? I think I agree with actually everything Zach said with the modifier that I love the Momoka pool. So this will be our lowest ranked Gundam then. Very close to a Gundam, the closest Gundam suit we have less to compare it to. How do we think it compares to the Forbidden Vortex? I think I like it more than the Forbidden Vortex. My gut says that as well, but I'm not really sure why. My, my gut says better, but I can't give you any actual reason. 
I'm kind of split. The Vortex is a better color scheme. And, like, I know what it's supposed to do. Yeah, this is kind of where the dumb dragon Kaiser claws on the Ultron are starting to be kind of a selling point. That said, I think I'm going to have to give it to the Forbidden slash Vortex. I think the Ultron. It's very, actually very close for me, but I think the Ultron. Going, comparing this bombastic thing to the least, to the plainest thing on the list, at least in this area, how do we think it compares to the Djinn? Because I'm tempted to give it to the Djinn. The Djinn is a very, very solid design, in my Which opinion. Which I think speaks to how top-heavy our list is, because the Djinn is fairly low. Yeah, like, the Djinn's just a good grunt suit design. I think I'd have to give it to the Ultron because the horrible, gaudy color scheme speaks to me. I will not be surprised if Mal voted on that, though. Yeah, I think Jin for me. I like the Jin quite a bit. Man, this is really difficult because... I think that means we're in the right area if it's very, if we're having multiple very difficult ones. I mean, I like, I like the Jin quite a bit because of its simplicity. Actually, you know... I say it's very difficult, and it kind of is, but at the same time, I can't come up with any good reason as to why to put the Geon Ultron above the Jin. So I think I gotta just give it to the Jin. Final question, is it better or worse than the Taros? And I think it's better than the Taros, which I think is a pretty ad design. Yeah, personally, I think most of the Gundam Wing grunt designs are pretty bad. Like, the Virga gets saved by having a decent color scheme and a good story behind it. Well, the Virgo, I mean, well, obviously we're not going into it yet, but the Virgo has a really nice, like you said, background. The color scheme's cool. I like the combination of the gun and the shield on it. I mostly just really dislike the Taurus's shape, so. Yeah. Okay, so it sounds like it's unanimous. The Gundam Ultron Gion will go at number 65, below the Jin and above the Taros. Any final thoughts on this episode? Like I said, interpersonal conflict, it's exciting. Cute waves. I was going to be snarky and say can this be the final episode but i do actually kind of want to see how ayami's thing resolves now that we're at a cliffhanger where it's about to resolve so good job show i'm looking forward to next week's episode and that's a dangerous thing as you said because i feel like i can only be disappointed uh so join us next week for episode 11 ayami's tears hey support us on uh patreon that would be swell Tyler doesn't do mid-edits on these. www.lastpodcast.com is our website where you can check out the other show I do, uh, Jumpstart Weekly, where Kevin and I talked about manga and no one cares. Or you can support us on our Patreon. I put out a funny up outtake from last week's episode up there. I almost put up three because there were multiple ones, but that seemed spammy. And Kevin said he found the outtake funny, so. I thought it was funny. <laughs> I was going to say, part of the reason I don't put mid-spots on these is because I feel bad subjecting people to build divers in the first place. Look, if you want us to finish... And, and we don't. We'll see. They have readjusted our COVID restrictions. So I don't think I kept saying, hey, I, I think we'll get back to Destiny soon. I no longer think that. So we may get through <laughs> Build Divers before going back to Destiny, which would make me very sad. But if we don't, finishing it is going to be a Patreon goal because I ain't doing it for free <laughs> once the uh, pandemic is over. So, you know, get those uh, pre-Patreons in there and you can listen to stuff like that. Maybe we'll do another bonus episode soon. I say as if I had an idea for it. Well, me and Tyler were talking about a little bit of that uh, before you came back from getting your drink, actually. We have plans. Okay. Well, that's exciting. So maybe there will be something. Until then, hey, uh, Tyler, was this Gundam or was this Isekai? I was going to say Gundam, but due to how very into role-playing he is and how much world-building he, uh, the champion has definitely done, I'm going to say this is Isekai. Uh, Zach? I actually have to go with Isekai as well, because like Tyler said, 
everyone's treating this super seriously. They're talking about bringing this dude down. Someone had a forced log out. There are evidently consequences with a capital C. You're both wrong. It's Star Wars. There is a trench run. <laughs> and a Palpatine. Bye. <laughs>